Our Perspective, panel discussion with people with SEI and their partners. Hear from people with SEI and their loved ones who experienced rehabilitation at Kessler about the questions they had post-injury and lessons they've learned over time about sexuality and SEI. This is session two of day two from our 2019 SEI conference, Connections, Sexuality and Relationships After Spinal Cord Injury. Let's listen in. So I'm a physical therapist by training and a researcher at Kessler Foundation, and my focus is largely on complications of spinal cord injury and also on education-oriented interventions. The idea being that there's lots of things that we can do as rehab providers to help people have expectations that are reasonable, help them have strategies to work through challenging things, and that's really what today's discussion is about, a chance for us to hear from both sides of the conversation about sexuality, because it is a two-sided conversation, or at least it should be. So my goal today is to facilitate a conversation between um, individuals with spinal cord injury who are so graciously sharing their experiences, as well as some of their partners who are sharing those experiences, and to welcome questions that you all have from the provider perspective about how to approach these topics. So with that in mind, what I'm going to do is have each panelist introduce him or herself. We'll start at this end and go down. Everybody will get a couple minutes just to say a little bit about themselves. And then um, we'll just start having a conversation. I'll open up a couple questions just to get things warmed up. But if you all have questions in the audience, you're welcome to interrupt us as we go. And um, I have a volunteer in the back, Rob DeLuca, who's helping us out, who's got a microphone. So I'm going to ask that if you have a question, raise your hand so he can see you, let him come to you so that you can actually speak in the mic. It'll help us all hear, and it'll help us capture it on the audio recording uh, for podcasts that we're going to use to help share this with your colleagues and with other members of the SCI community who couldn't be here today with us. Okay. Any questions about the game plan? Good? Okay. All right. So with that, go ahead, Laura. Hi. Um, my name is Laura Muniz. I am um, Victor's wife. Um, I, we've been married for about two years now, um, but dating for much longer. Um, I also happen to be a registered nurse and did work at Kessler for some time, um, so it's nice to see everybody. <laughs> uh, my name is Victor Munez. Um, I'm 33 years old. Um, like she said, that's my wife. I, I got injured when I was um, 22 back in 2008. I spent five months at Kessler, and then that's when I went home. Um, I'm currently employed with um, Hudson County Corrections. I'm a security systems operator there. I've been working there for about three years, and I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> that works. All right, guys. Uh, my name is Richard Marte. I am uh, 28 at the moment. I got injured when I was 24 years old. Um, my injury was due to uh, a couple gunshot uh, wounds. One of them was to the spinal cord. Um, I currently am employed. I actually do lift, so it's pretty interesting. And uh, yeah, I was in Kessler for about three, four months, inpatient, and been there on and off for about the whole four years since my injury. And uh, yeah, this is me. <laughs> Hi. Um, I'm not actually as good as I appear on paper, because my name's Dan is Darren Good, but I'm actually Darren Lombard. Um, my wife's Samantha Good. Um, I'm married to Sam. Um, we've been married nearly four years. Um, I'm stepdad to Daniel and Alicia. Um, I'm a clinical psychologist, um, but I've since Sam came out of Kessler in March, I've been full-time support for Sam and working part-time. And we're just trying to figure everything out bit by bit. 
My name's Samantha Good. I think Darren has um, outlined um, a number of things about the last kind of four months, five months. I was injured in January in a snowboarding in, uh, incident, um, T12 injury, and over the last five months, we've just been kind of trying to adjust and learn a new normal life. Um, Daniel and Alicia, our children, have adapted very nicely too. Um, I'm currently employed by Celgene uh, Pharmaceutical. Um, I'm not working right now, but looking to return to work very soon. Can you hold that tip? Good morning. My name is Karan Johnson. Um, I'm 30 years old. I got injured back in 2009 from a car accident, drunk driving. I'm a C7. Uh, currently, I volunteer for Kessler here at the Think First program. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it works. That's good. Very good. So we, we've alluded to this a little bit earlier, but the first question I wanted to ask you was, was the subject of sexuality brought up when you were in inpatient rehab? If you think back to that time, and if it was, how did that come up? Anybody can jump in. Go for uh, it. Yeah, Rich and then Karan. Yep. Um, it was uh, introduced by a man named uh, Ron Moore. Mm -hmm. Ronald. Um, it was more like uh, in the hallway. I ran into him and uh, asked him about it, and he had a couple classes uh, that week, so I made sure I set an appointment with him, and I learned what I had to learn, yeah. Okay, very good. What were you going to say, Karan? Thank you. Um, same here. Um, at the time, uh, 2010, it was a, a lady by the name of Sandy. I don't know if you remember Sandy. Like She was kind of tall, slender, had a short haircut, bunch of like sons that play ho hockey she was awesome um she introduced me to ron um and him and i connected because my name is like my abbreviation is ron so he uh he brought me in and uh sat me down and, and told me a little bit about uh a briefing of certain things we could still do like um sexuality and sports and things like that yeah mm -hmm. Very good. And for non-Kessler people, uh, Ron Moore is our coordinator for our peer program at Kessler, so he works directly with the mentors and so forth. Go ahead. Say something. So my experience, um, inpatient experience, was such that the topic was never really raised um, verbally. However, I was handed um, a booklet about sexuality along with bowel management and bladder management, which I found very useful. Um, I felt, I think, as an inpatient, kind of overwhelmed with everything that was going on at the time. And so it wasn't, for me, the highest priority to understand. However, I, I think that that booklet that was provided was a really nice introduction, and I did read it whilst I was an inpatient. And it wasn't that I was necessarily scared or anything to talk about it with anyone. It was just that it wasn't the highest priority on my list at the time. Fair enough. And Darren, were you, did you have any exposure to that from anyone? Um, yeah, I read the booklet too. Um, okay. I was with Sam quite a lot of the time mm -hmm. at Kessler and you get a lot of time to talk and to think. And we talked a lot, I think, when, we were in, when you were in Kessler. We had a lot of private time in the evenings mm -hmm. and trying to make sense of everything, philosophize about why and how. And, and, and through, I think that booklet, probably was helpful because we, we took a look through it. It gave us something to, to speak about more, 
more tangibly because it was it was on it, it's it was on my mind around kind of along with so many other things. I mean, it is, I think overwhelming is the word. There's so much to try and get your head around when it happens that um, it was, yeah, it, it was helpful to have that booklet to stimulate some discussion around it, which, mm -hmm. which has continued. Um, yeah. Sounds good. Victor, what was your experience? When I was in Kester, it wasn't really brought up. I never really asked about it. I was very naive. I thought that I was just going to do what I did before and, you know, just go into life like, boom, you know, like nothing was going to go wrong or anything like that. So, I mean, when I was in Kester, it wasn't on my mind at all. I had, I mean, I was focused on other things. When I came in, I was almost like a vegetable. Like I couldn't even move. I wouldn't even want to be there. So that was just like far off. But I've, I was, yeah, I was very naive though when I first got there. Just, just a quick question. Did you guys have any follow-up after the book was provided? Did you, if you had any questions from the book, was there someone that you were able to go to, like the person who gave you the book or a doctor or anything? Um, so there wasn't any direct follow-up. There wasn't any, anybody that asked me, you know, do you have any questions? Um, however, I, looking back, I would have felt very comfortable asking that individual whether, you know, I would have felt very comfortable asking them if I had any specific questions at the time. And I think it was just the feeling of being overwhelmed about everything else going on that I just didn't ask the questions. Um, and I'm happy to share with you that it was, um, I forget her last name, but Adria, um, the vocational counselor that gave me the, the book, so. No, it was a different one. It was a uh, printout, sort of on uh, letterhead paper, yeah. Um, I think it was most likely the, the sexuality and SCI sheets that you have in your folder. I can, we can check later, but I think that's probably what it was. And then was there anything you wanted to add, Laura? I, uh, from your experience, I think you were involved after Victor's Or so after, mm -hmm. yeah. But um, mm -hmm. I, I can say that um, Dr. Linda Meyer was a good uh, resource for us. It w we more got involved once we started thinking of um, planning for, for having children. Mm -hmm. um, so Dr. Linda Meyer was almost like he was waiting for us to eventually mm -hmm. ask that question. And mm -hmm. he was ready uh, to, to guide us with what we, where we needed to go from mm -hmm. there. So I'm hearing kind of a range of experiences. Some people did have a conversation about it. Others, maybe more indirectly, some information was presented and, and, and that's where that went. What would you recommend? What would you see as sort of the ideal way to go about it? Let's, let's start on the inpatient rehab side when you're first adjusting to it. Should a clinician bring this up to you? What, what do you think you'd like to see happen? That's a good question. But, um... I don't know, just I almost just like bring it up, like just mm -hmm. make sure it's brought up, you know, and uh, conversation out of nowhere, just make sure you bring it up. Try to build trust with that person that you ask about, that you're asking, because obviously they're not just going to say it out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. They're going to wait till they build like a trust factor with you. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. just, you know, just literally just bring it up, because like that is a topic that we do wonder about, but I don't know if we're too nervous or like, you know, uh, how Rich did it, that was perfect, you know, the, the best way to do it. Like he went up to, you know, Mr. Moore and he was like, listen, this, this and that. Not everybody's like him. A lot of people will, you know, sit back and just be like, all right, I'm going to wait for somebody to ask me. If nobody asks me, I'm just going to live life, mm -hmm. you know, like. Mm -hmm. Any other thoughts? I could honestly agree with Vic. Um, if it wasn't because I was young and <laughs> single at the time, I think I would have hesitated as well. But 
Um, it, I think it's definitely, it should definitely be brought up by um, either your doctor, your primary doctor when you get injured, or even a therapist, because those are the people that you spend the most time with. I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously you have to be comfortable, build some kind of rapport. But I think you should definitely, it should definitely be mentioned once, twice, maybe even three times, you know, just to really understand, all right, look, it's going to be different, but it's, there's always possibilities. I think it should, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's a sensitive topic, isn't it? And um, I think time needs to be provided to, to talk through this. Um, and, you know, I, I guess I keep saying this, but it's an overwhelming situation to be in at first and and there doesn't seem to be a lot of time when you're an inpatient because you're running from this to that to the other and you know everyone's very busy um but i think you know time is kind of the important factor for this for this topic it's not something you can just do like that but i think it is important to bring up and whether it's broaching the subject with like a you know handout or something that the individual can browse through, but you know, have that follow-up afterwards. It's a good question. Was there any kind of follow-up afterwards? Um, so yeah, and everyone's different, right? Everyone's different and takes a different approach to this topic, and so it's very sensitive. Just to piggyback off of what you said, though, it's just a lot to um, like to to wrap around, um, and that's just not one of the priority things. You just, um, for, I know for me, uh, waking up. Um, out of the hospital, I just began began to like uh, close my emotions to a lot of things that I thought I, I couldn't do anymore. Mm -hmm. So coming into Kessler, it wasn't I, I was naive or I was just closed minded to a lot of things. So um, Sandy and Ron that they they did well with like slowly like just coming in my room and just um, presenting different things to me, like the whole monster ball situation with the sports or mm -hmm. like even with the um, sexual um, activities and stuff like that, or even telling me we could still have kids and stuff like that. So she's done her due diligence as far as slowly walking me into it. But it was it was a lot to just wrap around at first. So I wasn't really, but it was, it was good though. I, I would reiterate what everyone said about asking the questions and starting conversations about this because I think one of the things that really jumps out at me from the last five months is how much more comfortable we feel talking about stuff that we never ever thought we'd be talking about with other people. <laughs> Bowel programs, bladder management, sexual functioning. I mean, this maybe it's because we're English and it's, it's not the kind of thing that you do anyway. But... but some of the conversations we have with friends, how open we are about other things. Um, and I think, I think it, everyone is different, of course. And I don't want to speak for Sam, but what I would say about our relationship, and I hope I'm, I hope I'm on the ball here. Um, <laughs> my sense when, when we were figuring this out was that we can, we can handle this together. And I had all kinds of thoughts about, well, what's it going to be like? What's Sam going to be able to feel? What, how's it going to be different? I mean... We've always been very physical, and it was a, it was a big, it's always been a big part of our relationship. And, but the way I thought about it was that, you know, the reason that things are good is that we communicate and we can talk about this. I think that's probably one of the reasons why um, we didn't necessarily need to ask more questions of professionals, I think, at that particular point. Mm -hmm. um, but everybody's different, and there may be some people who aren't as able to communicate about those things, or... 
um, it, is, it can be embarrassing. A lot of this stuff is embarrassing until you start talking about it and start going through experiences. You think, wow, we got through that, and it becomes a little bit easier. So I, I guess the long and short of that is absolutely ask the question. Start the conversation, put it on the agenda, even if a person's not ready to be receptive. And maybe, maybe let know that these are things that you can come back to an outpatient as well, that there's someone that you can go to, someone that you can talk to about this if any questions come up. Yeah, Rob, we'll give you a microphone, and we'll be glad to hear that question. I just, I just want to piggyback off what Darren said. I mean, if you're in a relationship and you have the injury, it's one of the, like, what impact is this going to have on our relationship? And so that's something you want to know right away. You know, and, or as a young man, it's like that's one of the things that you think about a lot. And so you want to know... Uh, you, you know you can't walk, and you, you, you're having issues with bowel and bladder, but right behind that, especially for a couple, is what impact is this going to have on our sexual relationship, our physical relationship? How are we going to connect? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we talk about bowel and bladder freely, but we're, we're afraid to talk about sex. Yeah, that's true. And that's a good uh, segue into sort of uh, the next question, which was about... Um, what were your expectations about what your sex life might be like or what the effects of SEI might be on you? And those could include, you know, not having any because you hadn't thought about it. But what was your experience? I see you smiling, Karan, so I'm going to make you go first. <laughs> uh, uh, wow. Uh, I don't know. Uh, my expectations? I was just hope hopefully, all right, so I was just hope, hope, hoping that my partner would be understanding. Uh, of things I couldn't do, or maybe, I don't know if it was a new partner or something like that, I don't know. Maybe uh, being open-minded and trying different things or different, you know, than what she's used to, because it's new for me as well, but maybe what she's used to. Uh, so yeah, my expectations was just uh, to make the, the female feel as comfortable as being with someone in a wheelchair doing this, so yeah. Go for it. Now, I think one of you, Victor, you were talking about like being naive. So tell me a little bit more yeah, about I that. Didn't, I didn't have expectations. Like I thought I was going to go back into the world and just like do what I was doing when I was walking. So I, I really didn't think about it. It wasn't on my mind. I, like it was just, I was very naive. Like I'm thinking now, like how could I be thinking that? But that's how, that's how it was. Like. I was, I, you know, I was doing one thing before I got injured, and I was like, all right, I'll get through this, and then, boom, we'll go right, right into it. And it was just like a wall. <laughs> like, well, can you yeah. tell us a little bit about your first experience? Uh, first experience was, um, yeah, it was a little awkward. <laughs> because, you know, as, as naive as I was, I never thought it through. So, you know, we're, we're getting into it, we're getting into it, we're getting into it, and I'm like, oh, all right. I'm not like in the good position, like I gotta move, like, uh, you know, uh, how's she gonna feel with this? And, you know, it was just like, it was, it was awkward. I mean, we got through it, but, you know, it was just, yeah, it was awkward. More so for me, because I just didn't wanna make her feel uncomfortable. I could probably add a little uh, sure. something to that, because my perspective was it's similar, but a, a little bit different. Um, I could see that um, 
there was a lot of hesitation on his part with certain things, even going back to the dating end. Um, I did have some knowledge about things because I was training to be a nurse at the time and um, was aware of you know certain things that occur when you have a spinal cord injury. Um, but down to the bowel and bladder, because I'm coming in, I wasn't there with him an inpatient, so he had gotten this information. But it was kind of hard for him to anticipate how I might react. He didn't really, at that time, know that I had a, a good understanding of it. But seeking a partner, I think... I, that was stressful for him, knowing like, well, if there's a day that my bowels are out of whack, how am I going to be with someone romantically and, and you know, um, address that? How are they going to feel? Are they going to be willing to help me? Or is that going to be a deal breaker for them? Um, so as it, I think you get more comfortable with things as they happen, right? You know, and you kind of see how the other person reacts. And I think it's all about teamwork. Um, but on my end, I could say, seeing how much he did trust me with his body and helping him adjust to this new life kind of broke down any barrier I could have and made me trust him more than I would ever trust anyone else um, with my body. In so, the beginning of our relationship, I was very, like she said, very hesitant. So the, around maybe like the first like five or six times we were always supposed to hang out and I, just, I would cancel like at the last minute because I couldn't get it in my mind like, oh, you know, she's not gonna wanna be with me, I'm in a, I'm in a wheelchair. Like she's not gonna wanna deal with me uh, getting in and out of the car or, you know, bow and all that stuff. Like, yeah, that extra baggage, just like Rich said. So, I mean, I was, I'm lucky to have her now because how I treated her in the beginning was rough. Like I literally would cancel like, I don't know, maybe half hour before we were supposed to hang out. Yeah, I can't do it. And I would just send the text like, yeah, I just can't do it. Wouldn't even explain. And then, you know, one day she came to my house and she was just like, listen, what's going on? Like, when you keep canceling on me, like, what is this? And it was at that point when I knew that she could, well, she was ready to handle whatever was going to come her way because I didn't know if she was ready. Like, the, first, the big thing was me was like, all right, how are we going to go to and from? I got to get it in and out of your car. Now it's going to be embarrassing for, for me to have to ask you for help for me to get in and out of the car. Like, I'm a man. I'm not, you know, I'm not supposed to do that. So, yeah, this, I mean, that's what happened, but it was, it was hard for me in the beginning. I'm, I'm, like I said, but I'm very lucky for her to still be with me as much as, like I did. And then I think, yeah. Rich and then. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So did you guys have these, it seems like you didn't have conversation. You just kind of went with it and she was so good that you didn't have to have that conversation initially? I mean, we did have conversations when you're kind of in a situation and you're like, shoot, what do we do now, you know? Um, uh, um, but in, in terms of, like, sexuality, no. I guess once you're comfortable with someone, you just kind of work through and feed off of what you can tell each other's comfort levels are. Um, and if there, was, if there was a worse conversation, I would never talk about it. She would have to ask me maybe at, like, the last minute type stuff because I'm not going to bring it up. So, like, in terms coming. of, like, your fears of bowel and bladder and, and whether you have an accident during sex or anything, that was kind of, like, swept under the, the rug in your situation. Until it did happen. Until it happened. Until it happened. <laughs> and then, and then okay. you have to deal with it. Yeah, that's honestly. But, um, I mean, I guess that kind of for him with the way he was, like you said, I wouldn't say naive. I think denial part of it and wanting to get back to your, your regular life uh, or the life pre-accident, uh, pre I think it's kind of like, 
there was still a lot of that in his mind. And then it, when something happened, it's like, oh, no, reality check. Yeah. This is life, and we have to deal with it. So um, whether that's the best way to do it, no. But I do think it depends on the person. Um, and for him, I think that that did work. And ultimately, you know, when you're kind of forced to be comfortable with something or have to be comfortable, then you become comfortable. What were you going to add, Rich? Um, so, yeah, so back to your question. Uh, the expectations for me were at the moment um, – I was just confused. I didn't know what was going on. You know, I, I was new to this whole catheter thing, being in a diaper. I didn't know what was going on. And um, basically, one day I had a, a good uh, friend, a female friend, that came to Kessler. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she, we, we tried to, you know, physically, but nothing was really, at the time, wanting to even work. So I was like, you know what, just leave it there. But... Once I came home and I started getting more comfortable with everything, um, my first experience basically was uh, it's pretty uh, it's pretty very different, very very different. You know, um, I thought it was a good a good um, good timing, good vibe, good everything, and then um, one thing led to another, and I had a bowel movement and. <laughs> That shut me down, like that brought me down and put me back on, you know, ground zero. So I was like, you know what, let me just, let me just figure this out by myself and I'll, I'll get to you when I know. <laughs> I'll call you back, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah, that was my, uh, that's basically All right, it, yeah. all right. Were you going to add anything to that, Karan? For, all right, so for me, it was who really opened me up to, like, the uh, world of dating in a wheelchair was uh, a gentleman by the name of Lamar, right? He, he's in a wheelchair. And I think uh, seeing him uh, just still have the confidence and tell me, like, you know, it's just a chair. Like, um, women just going to see you as a guy in a chair. Or they might not even see you as a guy in a chair. It's just if they feed off your energy or just your personality, they're just going to like you for who you are. Um, so that I had to, you know, wrap my head around that. That's one of the mental uh, things I had to open my mind up to. And um, it was, uh, like how you said, it was really just feeling like a man and being independent. Like, it's just, um, you really got to prepare yourself for when you about to have sex in a wheelchair. Like, it's like got to be like, a, uh, I have a colostomy bag, so it's not hard for me as far as maintaining my bowel program. So, but prior to me having a colostomy bag, I definitely would make sure, like, um, you know, my mornings were good, like as far as like like making sure I use the bathroom and uh, monitoring what I eat because I didn't want to have those accidents like that. So it was definitely like a a day of planning. It wasn't. It's not something that's just gonna happen. Like you know, we go on a date and we just like oh, we had a few drinks. Let's go back. To, you know what I'm saying? Prior to me having to clash me back, but now that I you know I, I could control my bowel program through that. And um, I, now I know, understand like my bladder program a little more, I could, I could manage it and I could, you know. But yeah, it was a lot of things to keep in mind, like, like how you said. And my first time was just, uh, it was, first of all, they had to tell you where to go. Like someone has to tell you where to go to get like these, uh, these male enhancement things, like, you know, like, I was told to go see Dr. Sean Gold. Like, he became, like, my man. So. <laughs> <laughs> I see Dr. Sean Gold. Like, he's like, you know. Uh, but, yeah, you, you have to...
be exposed to who you go see. We don't know. We don't know who to go see. Like what to use because they tell you what not to use because it blood pressure and things like that. Uh, Viagra pills or the, like yesterday we were talking about the pump, but I don't think they mentioned like Viagra pills because it's not good for us. So you know, at first, if you don't go see a doctor or a physician and tell you what's to take. If you just ask friends and somebody like, oh, just take some Cialis or take some Viagra, then you be like, all right, well, let me. And then it might, you know, it might not work out for you. But um, yeah, it was. It, you definitely need to do your homework um, and prepare for uh, any rendezvous that's about to come up. It's not something that just could happen. So we'll come back to this idea of you know things that you've learned over time. But I, um, uh, Darren and Sam, I wanted to give you a chance to sort of add to what we were talking about in terms of expectations and what you thought things might be like. Yeah, I think that question about expectations is quite difficult. Um, my expectation, I, I don't think I had an expectation. I think it was a very low bar that was set for me. Um, and I think we're still trying to work through things. And, you know, our first time, I was petrified. <laughs> I was scared about not being able to feel anything. And if something is going to hurt or anything, I'm not going to know about it. And um, so I think with all those kind of thoughts and emotions going through my mind, it was, it was tough. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think you know, Darren and I are still figuring things out, but yeah. I was just struck by the, the love expectations bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a comment on you, Darren. <laughs> no. <I'm... laughs> um, I think the thing that was in my mind was about Sam's having get, getting pleasure or not getting pleasure and where where she was having sensation, where she could feel, what difference was that going to make? Um, what's it going to be like if, if she's not enjoying it or having the same sort of feelings as she had before um, and trying to be sensitive around that and and then and then it's that bit about figuring it out and uh, and uh, and that's something that yeah, it's a work in progress. I think uh, discovering sensitivities in other places. I think one of the things that you've you've really identified is how different parts of your body have a much greater sensation and response than, than previously. Even even today, um, talking about feeling nervous without being able to feel your legs, how the the, the butterflies or the the anxiety gets felt so much strongly in different parts of the body, but. We're noticing different things in terms of kind of intimacy as well, that um, different parts of the body feel that much, feel much better. Um, I mean, I think the, the, other, the other implication is I mean, spontaneity. That's, that's something that we're having to, to get used to, whereas before we could be spontaneous. Um, everything is, is so much more effortful now. It's just, it's just a reality, isn't it? It's sort of the practical reality. Everything takes so much more energy. Um, we have two small children in the house. It didn't used to be a problem because we could do, we could, we could find space or um, quiet time um, easily. Now, partly because we're living on three floors and that's effortful in itself, trying to get up to our bedroom, trying to get space from the children, trying to have time before we're both just collapsing with exhaustion. So 
that's again just things that are, are practical realities of of the new situation but yeah stuff that we'll mm -hmm. we'll figure out yeah now, this was alluded to a little earlier in some of the other comments, but for those who, especially for those of you who've had more time since injury to kind of practice things, what are some strategies or tricks that you have learned over time to kind of set the stage well for a successful interaction? What would you say? Just wing it. Okay, <laughs> that's fine too. Just wing it. Um, yeah, just wing it. All right, so we have. Go with the flow. All right. Very good. I yes. would agree with that to um, some extent because um, if you're too focused on things, then it kind of takes some element out of it. And you kind of want to be normal, right? So you want to feel like you can just go right into things. Um, on my end, like I'll start noticing th and then thinking like, okay, he has goosebumps. Is he getting dysreflexic? Is, is this not right? And, and then if, if you get like that, then what's the point of anything, right? If you're kind of getting paranoid about everything. And um, the, the reality is if there's going to be a problem, then there will be a problem. But unless there's really a problem, just go with it. Yeah. Victor, do you want to add anything to that? No, I agree with Rich 100%. Just wing it. Let's <laughs> <laughs> wing it. To plan right. it out and all that, that's, I don't know. Right. Too, too much time, too much effort. Like, just go. Now, if it happens, it happens. I mean. Uh, Karan, you were talking about some sort of concrete things in terms of, you know, bowel and bladder and making sure certain things are taken care of. For, for you, what would you, are you a wing it kind of man? Or would you say there's some other things that you like to do? Um... Yeah, I, I could still kind of wing it now. I could still like go with the flow of things. Uh, yeah, I don't really have a. I don't have to prepare as much now. Um, okay. If it gets to the point where as though I, I feel like the energy is, I could just, uh, I, you know, I just excuse myself to make sure everyone is fr like, you know, you freshen up and stuff like that, and yeah. then you get right back into it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I don't really. I don't, yeah, I, yeah, I swing it. I go with the wing it. All right. So I have a question in the front. We'll take a moment for the microphone to get there. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, so first, I just want to say thank you so much um, for being very open about your relationships and your experience upon your injury and how that's impacted your sexuality. So thank you for doing that. Um, also, I wanted to ask, upon your injury, did you find that it was very hard um, to become sexually aroused? And if so, what were either some equipment you used? I know some supplements were mentioned and kind of how were you able to um, experience some level of arousal for any level of sexual intimacy that you were experiencing? Um, so me personally, um, preparing myself, I've, um, I was blessed enough personally, again, personally, um, I was blessed enough to, once I came out of Kessler, um, I got my catheter removed and I started learning that. So that wasn't really, uh, much of, you know, of an issue. So when I did get active, um, it was basically Preparing myself was just like, like Ron said, I made sure I didn't eat nothing crazy. Um, True. Made sure I, you know, the bathroom use was done already and yep. just don't distract myself, you know. Don't think too much. Just, just be normal. Yeah. What's your level of injury? I'm L2, L3. So I'm a lower lumbar. So um, I, I was at the moment when I got injured, I was complete. Um, throughout the time I've become, I have therapists here, I've become incomplete. So I have certain um, 
functions that you know that that I have. Uh, certain muscles obviously don't work, but I have um, I have more than expected use. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. Correct. Yes. Um, in the beginning, I would say about a year gap, about a year or so, and then after that, it was just um, getting more, um, more comfortable, more normal for myself. Yes. So, so you didn't necessarily need. No. No. Even though I was once, <laughs> I was once given this little juice that um, a cousin of mine slipped over, and he was like, "Try that." <laughs> And tried it? Yeah. Like a street, like a street. Yeah. Uh, we'll discuss that later. No, everyone's like, did that work? How did that go? <laughs> Don't drink the whole thing, man. <laughs> Never said that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they gave me something before, and I was like, yeah, I don't need this no more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically, yeah. I'm very, I'm very blessed, by the way, with uh, my injury. So I'm your, your spared fortunate. function. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to ask Rob to transition the mic back to Maggie in the back, who has a question. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. So I'm curious to know, uh, how soon after injury did you put a lot of thought into what your sexual life was going to be? So I know, Sam, you're talking about not being a priority, but like, when is the first time after injury that you thought, am I ever going to really be able to have sex? Because I think as clinicians, we tend to think what the other person is thinking, and that might be some of the reasons why people are hesitant to bring it up. I know me as a female, if I got injured, I don't think it would be the first thing I was thinking about. Um, so I'm just curious when that moment came to you after being injured. One time I was uh, with a friend, and we had like these two girls over his house. So then we're talking, whatever. It's just me and the girl, and you know we're kissing and everything. And I'm thinking like, damn, how the hell am I going to get in the room? Because that bed is high as hell. <laughs> Not going to ask her. And it was at that moment right there. I'm like, wow, am I ever really going to have sex? Like, it's like what you know, like oh, so I just, I just you know, I won it. You know, like um, I mean, I never asked her to go into the room. We just stood in the you know the 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 kitchen the whole time, but it was at that moment. And that was, um, I got injured 2008. I went home in June. I went home, I got injured in June. I went home in December. So I would say maybe like two months after my injury, that's when it hit me like, damn, like what am I gonna do? Or how am I gonna do it? For me, um, I was 24 at the time. I was, like I said, I was single. So instantly, uh, the next day I, I woke up in the hospital, I was, you know, once I got into Kessler was probably like a week after. And that's when I was like, I need to figure this out. And that's, you know, I had a, f a friend come over and we tried some stuff, but yeah, it was a fail. But instantly, instantly, yeah, I was thinking about it. Don't, that's <laughs> off the record. <laughs> You're no longer an inpatient. The door was okay. locked. <laughs> Spoke to my nurse, say, hey, you know, give me, some, give me a break. Do not he disturb. understood. So. <laughs> yeah. hey, if they're going to add it to our standards for accreditation, there's got to be a way to make that work, right? So that's all right. I mean, at, at Kessler, um, you don't have a privacy sign or anything? Like <laughs> no. No. We can get them. We have paper and tape. We can figure it out. 
<laughs> put, a tie, put a tie over the door. There you go. It's understood though. Once that door is closed, like, you ain't coming. No. Not at present. No. All right. So we're going to There's continue. another question. Yeah. Oh, and I, I and I just wanted to make sure. Did everyone? Did anyone else want to add to Maggie's question and then about your the first time thinking about it? I I can um, just add. So although everything is very much overwhelming and maybe not the highest priority. It was on my mind probably from <laughs> after a week. You know, uh, I think Darren mentioned our lives previous to the injury we were very physical. Um, it was a big part of our relationship. So my thought was, well, what's going to happen? What, where is our relationship going to go? I feel very unattractive. What, how do, how do I handle all of that? So I think. It was always on my mind. Perhaps it wasn't my highest priority to absolutely fully address at that time and you know, maybe ask questions while I was at Kessler, but it was definitely there from almost the get-go. Yeah. Um, I agree with everyone else. It's not, it don't take long before you, because you go through the emotions. You go through a lot of emotions, and those are one of the emotions that just kind of like stick in your head because you, you're like, well, if that was part of your life before, it, I can only imagine. Like, So it was it was definitely, a, a, I had a Kessler moment as well just because I, at the time I had a girlfriend, and I just wanted her to know that, uh, you know, like whatever we had to do to kind of keep this thing going or keep this, you know, uh, keep the spunk in a relationship, I'm, I'm for it. And it's just, you gotta kinda kinda be like comical with this as well. Like, you, like as far as like, you know, you just, when I say comical, it's just little, it's little things that we said like, oh, you know, you're, you're, that's not the only way you could please a woman, right? Like just having penetration, like, you know what I'm saying? So oral sex is one of the things that you kinda turn to as first, like first. And then once you start to go through that stimulant, um, you know, relief of like, okay, I could do that. Is I could still do that, but then you you start to find out things about yourself that you, you might have a little erection or a little, you know, some type of stimulant feeling. So then that's when you start to go ask questions. I feel like, um, but you gotta have to be open-minded to trying. You have to start somewhere, right? And that's where I kind of started in Kessler, and then, yeah. And then Darren, did you want to add? And then we'll go to the other. Yeah, question. I was just gonna say it was as Sam's husband. It, it was after Sam that we started thinking about it. Because I remember, I remember not long afterwards, you started talking to me about that and some of your worries. And I'm like, seriously, you can't. I'm just glad you're alive. I mean, like, and we were we, we were going through all this, and like, don't worry, don't you need to worry about that. That's that's all. It's all good. There's more important things right now. And so, so just in terms of when it comes, I, I'd say it was much sooner for you than it was for me. And yeah. Fair enough. All right, there was another question in the back still. Is this on? Yes, it is. Oh, okay, so I think I just heard some uh, answers to my question, uh, and it's, but I'll ask it directly, body image. Um, well, for those of us uh, born and raised in America, um, body image is really a big deal. And just if anybody can share directly how how you dealt with that. Did you deal with it inside your own head? Did you talk with a friend? Did you see a therapist? Did, if you're spiritual, did you go to, your, to, to the church people and talk to them? Like how, how did you, that's a big 
shift in identity um, and and the way you experience your body. So I hope uh, I'm making sense. No, I feel like it has to be all of those things. Like it has to be you talk to someone to kind of because you because you you uh, you started to like be shy in your own way. So you have to talk to someone so they could kind of give you a little push of confidence. Like don't worry about it. Like you know just ask to see what she say or just. Make the move and see what goes on, you know, that type of thing. Um, you pray about it, you know, that you could get into a relationship or be with someone that's going to accept, you know, everything that comes with being with you, you know. Um, yeah, you got to, it's everything. You have to, You need a support system all the way around the board. Um, and, and then you need that push of confidence, yeah. I would speak, uh, I agree. I agree, first of all. You definitely need support. Um, however, personally, um, it was harder for me to, to speak to anyone, um, even a therapist says it's always, you know, I've always been, this happened at a young age. So I, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know who to talk to other than my family, but even then there was some certain things that I would hold back. Um, so I kind of. Personally, about the way that I always done things, I just I just sit back, I observe everything, and um, I just go with go with it. Like uh, if it's if it's meant to be, I believe it. it, it the power of attraction will attract it. So um, it was definitely always a learning process. So I would try, fail, I would try it again, fail, <laughs> try, fail miserably, but then I would, and I did accomplish my goal. So. For sure, self-confidence always um, always have to have it because um, without that, I wouldn't have uh, never accomplished none of my expectations that I've that I've definitely done. So, for sure, and if you have someone you could talk to as a therapist, anything, I think that'll probably be a, a good result. You know, for sure. <laughs> Just to add on to that, self-confidence—that's definitely something that I my confidence just went downhill. <laughs> um, just from the perspective of body image, um, I was always very, very active um, prior to my injury, running, swimming, everything. Um, my body changed pretty, pretty darn quickly. And um, my focus changed then to making sure that I exercise and my body image my body has changed in terms of, you know, where the muscle is. And so I'm trying to just focus on being the best that I can physically, um, but just from the upper body strength. Um, so for me, that was, that was one thing. And then treating myself to new clothes, clothes that were more adaptable, clothes that, you know, had color and, you know, just those types of things really helped me. So this idea of self-confidence has come up a few times in this last bit of conversation. So I'm wondering, what were some things that you all did to help increase that self-confidence over time? It's really regaining independence. Because you, like, when you, once you lose your independence, it's like your confidence level is shot. Like once you have to depend on everyone, someone or do various parts of your day depending on someone, it, it kills your confidence. Uh, uh, so it's really just regaining that just entirely. Because once I regain my confidence, I feel like 
me being in a wheelchair, I feel like I've learned that you're more attractive when you just show, when you just have a confident like it's just it, it shows. It's just um, <laughs> uh, quite interesting. Like I, I feel like I have prior to my life, I had I I've had my share of uh, dealings with you know, in sexual whatever. I feel like I haven't really stopped. Like honestly, it's just it's same. Like, I feel like the confidence level is just more attractive. So, I, yeah. But just regaining your independence, knowing that you could do something is just, yeah. That's right. You just have to work on it. I remember when I was at Kessler, like, in the beginning, I was confident because there was people that had my injury. Like, I, I didn't go out, really. It was Kessler. So you were just, you stood there, and you knew, you, you knew everybody that was in the facility. You did basically almost, like, the same thing every day. Then when you get to the real world, it was like, you know, it hits you in the face, like, all right. That's when it went back down and you just gotta build it up on your own. You know, make, make goals for yourself. Um, just, you know, just try to, try to, you know, keep going forward. Because what, you know, once you, if you, if you don't do that, then, then you're gonna be like in depressed mode or anything like that. But it's just keep pushing yourself. And then once she came into my life, like they're saying support, once she, came into my life and I knew that she was okay with everything. Like she gave me the most support of anything. Like I, you know, I, I went to college. She, when we were together, she gave me like an ultimatum. She was like, listen, you either get a job or you go to school because we're at a standstill. And, you know, I, she's like, I want to move on. And it wasn't t until that point that I was doing anything. It's when she said that, I was like, all right, then you know, maybe she, if she believes I could do it, then I could do it. So I ended up going to college, graduating college, and then, you know, um, that helped me, like, get a job and all that. But, yeah, support and everything that just builds your confidence up. Um, I was going to say also with that, um, I think when we started um, dating and, and building our relationship, I could see that um, there was a shift at that time going with some of his friends that um, were his best buddies pre-injury. Um, and I think when you're surrounded by people who either don't get it or unwilling to try to get it and understand what you're going through, I, I think that's a big blow to your self-confidence. Um, I, I think like... if you're around people who understand or are willing to understand, then, then you kind of feel like, all right, I can take whatever comes my way because they're still going to be there with me um, if it doesn't work out or if I need help. Um, but, you know, you kind of learn, unfortunately, you learn a lot about um, other people um, and their response to, to your new life. Um, how did I gain self-confidence? Um, before the injury, I was always very, uh, I was always confident about myself. You know, I always knew what I wanted, knew how to get it somehow. Uh, when I got injured, though, it was uh, everything was overwhelming. So I had a lot of people come see me. I had to daily throw on a mask, you know, to to make everybody feel better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when everybody left, it was like rock bottom again, you know. You know, even after going home and everything, you know, you, you, when you're alone, you're alone, you know, and it's nothing nobody can really do but yourself. So <laughs> what I did basically was I signed up uh, to the gym. As soon as I got out of Kessler, um, I learned how to drive again. So I ordered a device. I started driving everything again. Um, I went into pools. I, I would do stuff that I used to do before by myself. Um, and then, I, you know, one friend would want to come. Another friend would want to come. And then, you know, 
they will learn about, you know, how, how does he do this, this, and this, and just small things like that, you know, just kept adding up, adding up the self-confidence. And before you know it, you know, I was already working lift with a wheelchair in my passenger side, uh, speaking to people I have no idea who they are, you know, just pushing them and to do better. And it boosted my ego, my, my, it boosted my self-confidence to the roof without a question, yeah. Just being out, you know, out there in the real world. I think it's the best thing. Sam and Darren, was there anything you wanted to add to that? <clears throat> Sorry. Um, I think what everyone has said here is pretty much what I feel, which is, you know, building independence, that's critical for your self-confidence and having the support system. I think for me, Darren has just been my rock. And without him, I think it would have been so hard. Sorry. Yeah, we cannot do this alone. All right, there was one question in the back. Go ahead, Cindy, and you have the mic. Okay, right? hello, um, thank you everyone for being here. As a clinician, my question is, is how do you feel or how would you recommend that we bring up the topic of sexuality or relationships? You know, just say, hey, or how would you recommend the conversation get brought up? Just Normal conversation, you're talking, and just keep it flowing, you know? And uh, just sneak it in there while you're talking, you know what I mean? Because, like, <laughs> like you, 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 know, you can come up to me, because it's funny, because people come up to me all the time, and they ask, well, how'd you get injured? And I look at them like, all right, I can either tell you the truth, because I know you don't care. Yeah. I know you're just being nosy, you know what I mean? So, like... So, you know, sometimes I mess with people and I, you know, I tell them other re reasons how I got injured. Because I know you don't care. The, the minute you walk out of here, you're done. You're not going to remember who I am. So it's okay. But, like, you know, if you just, if you're, you're talking casually and then, you know, you just slip it in there. You know, I think, I think naturally the person would just, would, would just, you know, talk out of nowhere about it. Not knowing that you even said that. But the conversation is going so good that once you ask that question, it would just came out naturally. So rather than you come up to somebody and just ask them right away, they're going to be hesitant. So it's just, you know, if you bring it up casually, if you talk, build a little trust. Maybe not the first time, maybe, maybe like the second or the third session, you just, you know, you bring it up, you sneak it in there somehow. Because once they get um, comfort, like, I mean, you were, you were, you know, my uh, therapist when I was at Kessler from the beginning. And I mean, if you would have brought up, and I was, a, I was, I was a, uh, like a Grinch when I was with you, because I was just, I just, you know, I didn't want to be there and stuff like that. So she, she went through a lot, like, it was just my attitude and all that. But so, like, if Cindy would have asked me maybe like the second time, I would have looked at her like, nah, that's not happening. You know what I mean? But just like in, in conversation, I think if you just sneak it in there, I think it'll naturally come out. I feel like, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. Go ahead. I feel like if you, uh, a part of that, you just you you ask the patient or what have, what do they know about um, activities or, or things like you bring up a whole bunch of things like uh, sports or you know little clubs they could get into and then you just ask them. That's just one of the things you ask them like you know do you know about like sex and you know for disabled or in a wheelchair or you know just a, a sort of 
things that you ask. You just, uh, you know, you don't just play, hey, you having sex yet? Like, you know, I don't know. But I mean, if it's some people, like you said, you build that comfort, you can ask. But if it's some, like someone, a new patient, you just, you, uh, you just present different things that they might not know that is still out there, you know. I agree with both of these guys, to be honest. Um, and just to add, you know, when you get injured, um, like I said before, the, most, the people that you see the most is always your, your, your primary doctor there and your therapist. As soon as I got injured, I could recall getting told multiple times, hey, look, you, you, know, you, you, you might never walk again. Why don't you just slide in, you know? Hey, man, sex is possible. I'm not gonna. You know, you might not walk again, but you might. You could definitely have some. Offset that with a good so point. I think they should. You know, when you're one on one with your, your your therapist or the doctor comes in, you know, on a daily checkup. Hey, you give it in any thought? You slide it in there. I think it's the best thing. Be consistent. Don't just yeah. ask once and then never ask again. Because at that point, you know, we're thinking like, yeah, you don't really care. Yeah. Like, you, you, you just, never really ask me again. But just ask, even if if they don't answer you the first three times. But at one point, that one time when he's when he or she is ready to to talk about it, I guarantee you they'll go yeah. up to you. Yeah. You know, because you're the person that's asking and wondering about it. Yeah. I was wondering. I, I also wonder if I can come back to the thing about confidence afterwards yeah. as well. But sure. I, just, just in terms of what I saw when I was at Kester, it's, it, everyone's so busy. It's so much. I mean, the place is amazing. Um, the work that the therapists do, the OTs do, the nurses, everybody, the doctors, it's an incredible place. I want to say that first of all. But because there's so much going on, there's so much to do, there's so much um, strife for independence that every, it seems every moment is full, every moment is busy, and the focus is, is there. And I, I wondered whether... It, maybe nurses and aides could even be the best people to have those conversations. People who, who see you a bit more often, who see you in your most vulnerable. See you most vulnerable, exactly. And, yeah. and I'm not necessarily saying that they have to become the therapist, but just someone that's comfortable having the conversation because sex is important to most people. Um, it's not to do with qualifications or experience. It's about, it's a normal human thing. So I, I'd be... In, I'd be encouraging sort of everybody to feel confident about having the conversation rather than put it onto one professional. Because there might be one person that you just gel with. There might be the aide that gets you, that, that you can talk to about anything. And I, I would really encourage everybody to feel comfortable having these conversations and to be able to direct people elsewhere if necessary. Yeah. You're going to add something, Karan? I know, I know Kessler, like, offers, like, so, because when I come to volunteer with um, Ron and Janine, um, that's one of the things I, I kind of, like, mention, because I know, like, you lose your sanity when you feel like you can have sex, right? Like, you, like, then I just, like, Yo, you know you go, and I'm like, word, they, they just kind of, like, open up a right. little bit, right. like, you know, so I, I agree with you, but um, it's really more so just the opening up part is, like, identifying with someone that looks like you, like, so, like, how you were saying, like, when you was in Kessler, it was, like, your safe haven, so you was cool. Um, and me opening up to Lamar because he was in a wheelchair about just, you know, driving or dating and things like that, traveling. Um, it just, I was a little more uh, acceptive to listen because I, I could identify with him being in a wheelchair. I know he went through it, opposed to, you know, like a therapist. I know you guys are on job seminars and things that keep you guys knowledgeable about it, but it's just the fact that, you know, I I know he went through it. I, like, you know, I, 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 could, I could identify with that. So that was... Uh, I know Kessler tries to keep us, keep me 
active with new patients to kind of keep them so they won't because it's, it's, as soon as you come to Kessler's it's like you're closed minded to a lot of things and you don't really want to hear what that's uh, therapists or nurses have to say because it's like they're not going through it uh, so I know they, they try to keep that yeah it's nothing against like the therapists or doctors yeah, or anything it's what, what I'm trying to say is like you know you guys ask like how do you bring it up but it's tough because you girls you you guys are so busy like you have goals for this patient to make, you know what I mean? So you have to focus on what he or she is doing. So even for you to bring up that topic, that topic is hard because, you know, you, you could be talking to someone casually, da, 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 and then he slips and he falls, and you got to worry about that person. You got to help them get up and all that. You know what I mean? So it's, it's very hard for for anybody to bring it up. So maybe, I don't know, maybe a class. And you know, when I say a class, but like, you know, um, advertise that sucker. You know what I mean? Like hand out like almost, I don't know, daily or something, but just, like, maybe a class would work, but just advertise it way more. Because you, you could bring it up, but that's not your focus. Your focus is for us to get better. Your focus is for us to move. So it's hard for you girls and guys to bring stuff up like that because you're so focused on other things. It's, it's just, it's really tough. So I think since we're, this topic is wonderful because it's going to segue beautifully into what we're talking about next. So I think Laura had a comment, and we'll end there, if that's all right. I just wanted to actually repeat something that uh, came with a question earlier. Um, really important not to assume that someone doesn't want to talk about it. I think that's um, like key, um, like looking at that as a nurse and also um, as a spouse, um, I think just not making any um, assumption on that. And I think what Rich said is actually really neat. You know, you are kind of, um, I remember often feeling like kind of, you know, you see the individual struggling with their new life and you can't, they can't help but notice all the things that might be hard for them now or things that they may not be able to do in the same pattern or way that they used to. But yeah, why not focus on some things that they can do, and, and sex happens to be one of them. So I think it is important to kind of uh, bring that more into natural conversation there. So I think there's one question on the side. What I'm going to do is uh, I was going to invite Dr. Tepper to come up if you wish to start getting set up while we take that. You may. It's your, your talk is next, so you can do that. Yep. Um, I just learned about that yesterday because I, I never, I have, uh, okay, so I have women ask if I could ejaculate still, you know, whatever. So, uh, I tell them no, whatever, but then yesterday, come to the seminar yesterday and they had like this little, uh, uh, what was it? The, the Vibrat. Oh yeah, the machine. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> it's like a machine that it's like yes. it's like a vibrator. And it helps we'll you be exactly. that later. I don't exactly know where you put it, but like it helps the flow come out. You know what I mean? Yes. A friend of mine has it. Oh yeah, okay. So like, yeah, there's, there's, like, there's, there's the Ferdy care or never heard it's that something before. like that because what it is is I asked why did I ask him about it? It's because we're trying to have kids yeah. and I can't ejaculate. So we're going through IVF. And you know, we're going through IVF and we were having problems. So my friend had, he has kids. He has, I think he, was two, he has two kids. So I'm like, you know what? Let me ask um, my friend Nate. I don't know if Cindy remembers him, but he was there when I was there. So I, I asked Nate, I'm like, listen, so, you know, how'd you have kids? What happened? He, he's like, well, you know, it just so happens that I can ejaculate. But he's like, 
and then he told me about the, um, the machine or whatever, and then, you know, he emailed it to me, and I was like, oh, all right. But in my head, I'm like, this isn't going to work for me because I can't. So, like, but I, that's how I, I know about the machine. Okay, and so you just, after how many years learned about this? How many years since your injury? Uh, it's been, it's going on 10 years. So 10 years, listen to this guy, 10 years, and he's just learning that he has the, the potential to ejaculate. You learn something new every day, though. Like, I'm still learning. I've been injured for about, yeah, 10, 10 11 yeah, years. Yeah, but if, so. if I was in your hospital, you'd know before you were discharged that this is a possibility, you know? And um, in yeah, Canada, yeah. in some of the hospitals, they have a protocol where people are masturbating, encouraged to masturbate while they're inpatients. And if that doesn't work, then they're introduced to the vibrator while they're in patients. And if a vibrator doesn't work, then they introduce this medication called midadrine. And so with midadrine in combination with a vibrator, they're getting over 90% of folks ejaculating. You know, and early on, right, I, it, it took me eight years to find out about a vibrator from a friend and to figure out that I can ejaculate too. So one more question, and this, this is going to be helpful for what I'm doing next. Sure, and then there's um, one other question on the side here. I need okay, to get back just to when you're in any instance then, um, short of ejaculation, do either of you guys with higher level injuries, what was your level? 12. G12 is not really a concern for you. It's a higher than T6. Uh, experience autonomic dysreflexia during yes. sexual activity. Yes. Okay. And can you tell us about that and how you manage it? Um, you know, when we're moving around, I'll get goosebumps. It's pretty, and spasms, really. Um, I just, honestly, I, I, I go with it, and I just try to, to get over it as it's going. I don't, like, stop or anything like that. I mean, until, I mean, if it's, like, really bad, but it never gets to that level. Like, I, I'll get, like, minor goosebumps, but... No, I did that once, and I asked her to, to, to like get off, and like yeah, that's the only time it ever happened. And that the next day, I called my doctor, Doctor Kirschbaum. I don't know if you guys know, but I was like, listen, this is what happened, and then he told me, and I was like, okay, maybe that's what it was. Did he tell you like prescribing medicine? Or no, he just. Um, and then I called Doctor Linzemeyer too. Actually, Doctor Linzemeyer said it was well, it probably was was maybe I was like trying ejaculate or something like that, and then. Yeah, 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 and then it was just like the pounding headache that I couldn't, and it just, you know. Your, your, your blood pressure really spikes Most. towards ejaculation. Yeah, yeah. All right, I can talk to you guys more later. Um, you were going to say something else? No, no. <laughs> so, so what I'm going to request that we do, if it's all right with you, Dr. Tepper, if you will feel free to come up to the front and, and start getting ready, question. and then I'm going to take that question oh, okay. while we're doing that, so. And uh, if we can guess, get the microphone back over here. Perfect. Okay, go ahead. Thank you for being so patient. No problem. Thank you, panelists, for your transparency and your honesty today. We appreciate it. Thank you. Um, my husband and I have a question um, slash comment. Um, he'll, he's, his injury is about 30 years ago. Um, and I wanted to ask this question specifically to the two couples on the panel who are married. Um, something we experience quite a bit are the reactions of other people to the fact that we are married. 
and um, sometimes even you know in public places it's our relatives it's pretty much everyone these reactions of right to his face oh my god you're such an angel you're a wonderful person you know these I mean I think the intention is positive but um, how do you deal with those kinds of comments being made, um, asking the spouses and those who are injured as well. Um. Well, I remind everyone that I can be a nightmare too, and that we're a normal couple. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, no. In all seriousness, um, with there, there we did get and still continue to get um, uh, some feedback that you wish didn't exist. Um, I remember, um, because we, we grew up in the same town, so, um, and, and very different, you know, he was an athlete, I was more into music, so kind of, there was that, like, how did they end up together to begin with, but then, you know, when they're underlying, it's how are, how are they dating, how do they do things, um, and it, it, it happens, and honestly, I think sometimes it's more nonverbal than even verbal, um, where you just see how people are looking at you, um, a lot of times it's assumed that I'm either his nurse or his sister, um, unless you specifically introduce yourself, uh, introduce myself as his wife. I think more often people um, think I'm either his sister or uh, if I happen to be in my scrubs, his nurse. A lot um, of times, sometimes we're late because she's coming home from work and ask her to change, but she doesn't sometimes. He doesn't and like when I go out with my scrubs on. They're always thinking that she's my nurse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I just try to respond as uh, natural and normally as possible and just correct them casually. No, no, this is my husband, because I think the more normal I make it, the more normal it becomes. Um, but it, it happens. And uh, like I said, we learned a lot about other people, unfortunately. So 11 years later, I think we kind of know or can anticipate who we may or may not get reactions from sometimes. Um, I guess a couple of things I want to say in response to it. Um, whether it's directly related to your question, I'm not sure, because I think I haven't really seen anything like that so far. It's, it's been a few months, and I guess we're, we're still in similar circles with people that we've been around before. So, um, so I, I, I don't know whether I comment on that exactly, but a couple of things I would say is one thing maybe relates to what I was going to say before around um, how, how you deal with the confidence side of things was that, um, I mean, Sam described me as a rock, but Sam has been a rock for me. And, and the, the point of that being is that when you're in a relationship, it's a, team, it's a team effort. There's days when Sam's in a good place and I'm not so good. There's days when I'm, I'm the strong person to, to G Sam up. And and so we give and take as much as for each other. Maybe I'm doing more physical stuff now, but Sam's still, um, Sam's doing as much other stuff, um, to put it shortly. So the, the, the fact that we're a team, and I, I, I hope that that will continue to shine through um, as we're going forwards, and that might be the response if we do start to have looks or comments. But something else I will say, because as we're figuring this out, there's a, there's a few things that, you get into novel situations and you think, oh, this is a bit different. And we went to, went to a party and then there were people in chairs and, and people, people standing there. And I find it really odd because Sam is suddenly at a very different level to me. And we're there as a couple, Sam's having conversations. I, I can't hear a thing. And I feel like, where, where do I hang? Where do I stand? I mean, and I'm trying, I'm getting it. And then my back's hurting because I'm like at this really strange angle. I'm like, is, is he okay? And, 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 and you know, it's, it's those kind of things that 
we, we look different as a couple now, and I'm sure, I'm sure we'll figure it out so that I don't damage my bat further, but, <laughs> or get better hearing, I don't know, but, but yeah. I've got to get you a wheelchair to be at the same level. Is it possible to add a to, to so I'm just going to add this before we, we yeah, get out of here. Um, just a comment. Um, so I'm, I'm pre, you know, I'm not in a relationship for too long, but I'm, I'm currently in a relationship. Uh, before my injury, I used to, I come, I'm from Elizabeth, uh, New Jersey. So, you know, you live in a, in an urban area. You're used to growing up with, uh, uh, you know, around violence and, uh, you know, other things. And before this injury, I used to hate when people stared at me. I used to hate when people, you know, I used to see people fight because of how people stare at each other, you know. And uh, when I came out of the, the, the Kessler, it was nonstop from kids to the oldest of adults just staring me down. And it was uncomfortable day after day. And um, sadly, we live in a world that people are just instantly gonna judge you know without even wanting to they're gonna want to know why 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 without even caring sometimes so for me I just shake it off you know they got a, they got a negative question I shake it off all right I'll answer you the best way that I could possibly do it but I'm about my way I'm going I'm on my way um so yeah when people ask certain things that uh uncomfort me I just I just uh, give them, you know, give them my best version, and I just keep it going. I don't, I don't go from there. I just stop there. <laughs> yeah. um, so being in a wheelchair, you have to be, you have to prepare yourself for being like the elephant in the room at all times, right? Like you said, um, you got to be prepared for like kids saying the darnest things, like they're the boldest yeah. ones. They come up and ask what's going on. Or is that a will? Like, is that a big will? Or can I ride? Or they want to push you? So it's like certain things you have to <laughs> you have to prepare yourself for. Um, so like, okay, so I'm in a relationship now as well. Um, um, so my girlfriend one time we went on a trip, right? And she 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 now gets like the the little stares that I get, right? Like I could I could automatically feel them when I come in the room, like so it's like I'm. Smiling, I'm extra friendly because I know people may just want to be mindful or just want to know what's going on. So people may stay stare, and I'm, you know, I can't, I'm not the type to stare at someone and not say something because I'm like, hello, how you doing, you know. And if they want to open up a conversation of uh, what happened or whatever, because some people, some people, I've, I've come to realize it's a small, like you know, you don't really realize that how many people are in a wheelchair or until it get, until you hit until it hit home, close to home, right? And sometimes people stare because they might know someone in a wheelchair that just may be a little that a little more depressed, or they may not understand or how to get through something that you that they see you're doing, like you know. So if they someone see me like on a plane and someone and they're staring, they might be just staring because um, they might want they have questions like, well, how do you get on the plane or how do you like where do you find out about certain things? Just the knowledge of being disabled or being so you know people stare for that right and I'm aware of that people just want to be nosy like you said um so my girlfriend she's like she she got a little bit of the tension of people someone came up to her like is that your boyfriend like oh like I feel sad like oh how do you do it and she took offense to it like well he does like he does everything for himself it's just that you know if I if he want to push I'll, I'll give him a push or whatever but she uh she catch offense to it more than I do now like 
uh, I'm cool with it because I understand, like I just said, people may have someone in the wheelchair that just want knowledge of it. They want to ask you, but it's just scared how to ask you because it's a sensitive topic. So I don't, I don't mind talking about um, you being in a wheelchair or just if someone want to know something. Um, I, I'm always quick to open up that conversation. Um, but yeah, as far as my uh, girlfriend, she, uh, she, she was, she was <laughs> ready to curse some people out for just the certain comments because people tend to say that we are inspiration, right? Like, as if we woke up and said, you know, I'm going to be in a wheelchair to inspire someone, right? It's, it's, it's not, it's not uh, inspiration. It's more like a survival thing. Like, you know what I mean? If you, if you come up to me and be like, oh, man, I, I, I just commend you on how you're surviving still or still have your upbeat spirit or things like that, you know what I mean? That's, I understand people don't know how to really word things. Like, some people might say, good luck. Like, you know, with things, and I'm like, I don't really believe in luck, but, you know, I, I appreciate the kind gesture. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just that, you know, I have to be mindful of, you know, people with ignorance or maybe just, you know, that thing. But it's, uh, just prepare yourself to be in the elephant in the room and just continue to just, you know, be a people's person. You got to really be ready to just speak because people are going to ask you questions and people want to just want to know. Not even just saying that they, they want to be nosy or just judge you. It's just maybe they want to have the information for someone in their family or someone in their situation. Like, you know, so, yeah. I think there was, I'm going to take, if I may, Dr. Tepper, I'm going to take this one last question to circle, close the loop on this conversation. And then um, we'll have, we'll give a round of applause to our panelists. So one last question, please. Um, actually, it's, it's more of a comment for the clinicians. Um, as my wife mentioned, um, I've had an injury now for close to 30 years. And I was a patient and I worked at Kessler years ago. And um, my therapist they never broached the conversation about sexuality. Um, a lot of it I learned just from the peers, you know, other people who had injuries, and they would say, oh, this is what I tried, and you, you kind of learn, and the show and goals, and the Liz and Myers, and the Kirsch Blooms, all of those people um, have been around for a long, long time. Um, but I learned a lot from the support groups, right? But in support groups just mean another, other patients. But one thing the, the therapists did is they really boosted my self-confidence. And it was the littlest things they would do just by saying, you know, you're handsome, um, you're cute. Little things like that, you know, just that would make you say, okay, once I'm discharged and I'm no longer an outpatient, I can still conquer the world. Like, even though there's this cheer, they see this. And they say, you're still attractive. Little, just little things like that would kind of be a segue into you still got it. And so one of the, the my, my bearded brother over there, you know, basically saying, um, you know, some people will say, well, you can't walk, but then you'll have somebody say, well, you can do this, though. So even though you can't walk, you can still get an erection. You go, oh. So they kind of assist you in not focusing on what you can't do, but let's focus on what you can do, right? And that's what therapists are really great at. Um, so self-confidence, the therapist can really assist in just saying, listen, you still got it. You're still beautiful. That yellow dress looks amazing on you. You look beautiful. Little things like that make you feel sexy. Little, you know, little things that you say really boost. Um, denial, I've learned over the 30 years, is a great place. I love denial. Denial is a great place, you know? Because when you're in a state of denial, you don't have to focus on what you can't do. Because in denial, you're happy land. You know, everything is still fine. And so um, 
body image goes with the denial, like, don't worry about it, you're still beautiful, um, the support group. And so I just wanted to say I learned a lot just from hearing you guys. You, you inspired me, but um, you guys seem like you're in great hands. So a little advice for you guys, keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you so much. May we have a round of applause to thank our generous panel. For more information about Kessler Foundation and our researchers, go to KesslerFoundation.org. That's K-E-S-S-L-E-R-F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N.org. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, listen to us on SoundCloud, and tweet with us on Twitter.